All right, welcome to You Are What You Read podcast. I'm Max. I'm Luke. And uh, we're still reading out of Become What You Are by Alan Watts. Last week's reading was a short yet a very in-depth chapter. Yep. It spawned some pretty deep conversation, which was awesome. And uh, from the title of this week's chapter, I have a feeling it's going to kind of stimulate the same. Um, Thank you guys for following and subscribing. Continue to like, follow, subscribe on all platforms now because we're live everywhere. Pretty rad. Um, Yeah, so with that, we will begin. Take it away, Luke. Dao and Wu Wei. The essence of Lao Tzu's philosophy is the difficult art of getting out of one's own way, of learning how to act without forcing conclusions, of living in skillful harmony with the processes of nature instead of trying to push them around. For Lao Tzu's Taoism is the philosophical equivalent of Jiu-Jitsu, or Judo, which means the way of gentleness. Its basis is the principle of Tao which may be translated the way of nature. But in the Chinese language, the word which we render as nature has a special meaning not found in its English equivalent. Translated literally, it means self-so. For to the Chinese, nature is what works and moves by itself without having to be shoved about, wound up, or controlled by conscious effort. Your heart beats self-so, and if you would give it half a chance, your mind can function self-so, though most of us are much too afraid of ourselves to try the experiment. Other than this, Lao Tzu didn't actually say very much more about the meaning of Tao, the way of nature, the way of happening self-so, or, if you like, the very process of life, was something which he was much too wise to define. For to try to say anything definite about the Tao is like trying to eat your mouth. You can't get outside it to chew it. To put it the other way around, anything you can chew is not your mouth. So, too, anything you can define or imagine, anything you can understand or desire is not the Tao. We can't know it. We can't feel or sense it, for the very simple reason that it's the whole substance of knowing, feeling, and sensing, of living and existing. It's too close to be seen and too obvious to be noticed or understood. If I may say something which sounds utterly ridiculous, it's more us than we are ourselves, more you than you, more I than me. Putting it more clearly, perhaps, it's the you that grows your nervous system rather than the you that uses the nerves to decide, think, and act. That will do for the moment, even though not quite right. If I try to make it clearer, it will just get more and more complicated. Now, I believe that almost all human beings make some sort of a distinction between the self that wills and acts and the subconscious self that manages our hearts and glands and nerves. Such words as self-control and self-consciousness suggest this division of our being into two parts, knower and known, thinker and thoughts. To the degree that we feel this division, We are always trying to control and understand and dominate our subconscious self with our conscious and willful self. 
But in Lao Tzu's philosophy, this is quite literally to be all balled up, to be in a desperate and utterly frustrating condition of self-strangulation, falling over one's feet and perpetually getting in one's own way, which is, of course, not Tao, the way of nature. This is why our principal problem in life is ourselves, why we are so tormented with anxiety about self-preservation and self-control, why we are so mixed up we have to make laws to regulate our behavior, employ police to keep ourselves in order, and equip armies with explosives to prevent us from blowing ourselves up. In the more intimate sphere of personal life, the problem is the pain of trying to avoid suffering and the fear of trying not to be afraid. Obviously, anyone who realizes the enormity and absurdity of this predicament wants to get out of it, wants to get unballed up to get back to the uninvolved sanity of the Tao. But this is so much more easily done than said that it's very difficult indeed. For according to Lao Tzu, the way back or forward to harmony with the Tao is in the profoundest and most radical sense to do nothing at all. But I said that this was so much more easily done than said because the moment we begin to talk or think about it, it becomes immensely difficult to understand to clear from innumerable misinterpretations. In the Chinese language, this special kind of doing nothing is called Wu Wei, literally non-doing or non-striving. This term is perhaps a bit awkward because the Chinese way to do sounds rather like the English way, so to avoid unnecessary confusion in a confusing subject, I shall pronounce Wu Wei in the Japanese style, Mui. When Lao Tzu said that Mui, doing nothing, was the secret of harmony with the Tao, he really meant it. But what he meant by it must be distinguished very carefully from two other courses which sound quite different from one another, though they are really the same. The first course I will call the way of deliberate imitation. This is to suppose that we actually know what the sane and natural way of living is, to embody it in laws and principles, techniques and ideals, and then try by a deliberate effort of imitation to follow them. This leads to all the contradictions with which we are so familiar, the contradiction of man bawling himself out, as well as up, for not doing what he tells himself to do. The second and seemingly opposed course I will call the way of deliberate relaxation, the way of to hell with it all. This is to try not to control oneself to attempt to relax one's mind and let it think whatever it wants, to set out to accept oneself as it is without making any effort to change it. This leads to a vast, sloppy, disorganized mess or to a kind of compulsive stillness or sometimes to an equally compulsive psychological diarrhea. Both of these courses are far short of the real mui of profound and radical non-doing. What brings them to the same thing is that, in their different ways, the two courses had a result in mind. They consisted equally in something done or not done to get to a goal. The goal in question was some sort of image, some mental picture, some vague feeling of an ideal, of a state of accord with the Tao, of harmony with the way of nature. But it was precisely in relation to such notions and ideals that Lao Tzu said, Get rid of knowledge, eject wisdom, and the people will be benefited a hundredfold. 
he was talking about supposed knowledge of what the ideal way of life is. As I said at the beginning, there is simply no way of knowing what the Tao is. If we cannot possibly define the Tao, we certainly cannot define what it is to be in harmony with the Tao. We have simply no idea of what the goal ought to be. If, then, we act or refrain from action with the result in mind, that result is not the Tao. We can say, then, that Mui is not seeking for any result. Of course, this doesn't mean that a Taoist comes to the table without expecting dinner, or gets on a bus to go nowhere special. I am talking of results in the moral and spiritual sphere, such things as goodness, peace of mind, sanity, happiness, personality, courage, and so forth. Well then, is it possible for me to stop seeking for these results? Surely, the very question implies that I have still a result in mind, even if this is the state of not seeking results. It seems, therefore, that I am helpless, that I am simply unable to think or act without some result in mind. It makes no difference whether I do or don't do. I am still compulsively, helplessly seeking a result. So I find myself in a teleological trap. I must purpose. I might almost say I am purpose. Now this is an immensely important discovery, for it means that I have found what I, what my ego, actually is, a result-seeking mechanism. Such a mechanism is rather a useful gadget when the results in question are things like food or shelter for the organism. But when the results which the mechanism seeks are not external objects but states of itself, such as happiness, the mechanism is all clutched up. It is trying to lift itself up by its own bootstraps. It is working purposefully as it must, but to no purpose. It is looking for results in terms of itself. It wants to get results from the process of looking for results. This is a hopelessly and wildly fouled up feedback mechanism. There is, however, just this one possibility. It can realize the whole round circuit of the trap in which it lies. It can see the entire futility and self-contradiction of its position. And it can see that it can do nothing whatsoever to get itself out of it. And this realization of I can do nothing is precisely Mui. One has mysteriously succeeded in doing nothing. At this moment, there is a sudden shift in the center of gravity of one's whole personality. You simply find yourself outside the trap, outside the result-seeking mechanism, which now appears as a sort of object, which has purposes all to no purpose. You see yourself as a purposing creature, but realize that there is no purpose for the existence of such a creature. In relation to everything except your own preservation, you are marvelously futile. Your aim is to preserve and perpetuate yourself, but in the larger context of the universe, there is no reason, no purpose for this aim. Formerly, this would have depressed you. Now it doesn't bother you at all. For as I said, the center of gravity has shifted, and you no longer find yourself identified with this absurd mechanism of purposeless purpose. In Lao Tzu's own words, the universe is everlasting. The reason that the universe is everlasting is that it does not live for itself, therefore it lasts. Therefore, the sage puts himself behind and finds himself in front. 
regards his person as outside himself, and his person is preserved? Is it not because he does not live for himself that he realizes himself? In other words, when the shift has taken place, when he finds himself outside of himself, outside of the teleological trap, the trap unwinds, the result-seeking mechanism straightens out and no longer seeks itself or states of itself. But remember, all of this happens mui, another good translation of which might be no-how. As distinct from somehow, there is no way, no method, no technique which you or I can use to come into accord with the Tao, the way of nature, because every how, every method implies a goal. And we cannot make the Tao a goal any more than we can aim an arrow at itself. If we once get into the tangled state of the arrow, which is trying to shoot itself, the self trying to change itself, we can't do anything to stop it. So long as we think or feel that perhaps we can stop it, there is some way, violent or subtle, difficult or easy, to make ourselves unselfish, the contradiction will continue or get worse. We have to see that there is no way, but in the state where we have realized that there is no way to be found, no result to be gained, the vicious circle breaks. Ouroboros, the snake eating his tail, has become conscious all the way round and knows at last that that tail is the other end of its head. We find ourselves in these circles because of ignorance, because of unconsciousness of the nature of our minds, of our thought processes, of ourselves. And the antidote to ignorance is not action, but knowledge. Not what to do, but what we know. Yet here again, the necessary knowledge does not seem on the surface to be anything very promising or hopeful, for the only knowledge in this sphere which can be talked about is negative knowledge, knowledge of the trap, of our helpless imprisonment and useless seeking, positive knowledge of the Tao, of God, of the eternal reality, is a matter of immediate, momentary experience. It can never be put into words, and any attempt to do so converts it into just another aspect of the trap. I realize that we do not like to be told that we are in a trap, and that there is nothing we can do to get out. Still less do we like to realize it as a vivid experience, but there is no other way of release. A proverb says that man's extremity is God's opportunity. We cannot find release until we have known the real extremity of our situation, and see that all striving for spiritual ideals is completely futile, since the very seeking thrusts them away. Yet, why should it surprise us? Hasn't it been said again and again that we must die to come to life, that heaven is always on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of which physical death is merely a symbol, where the helpless corpse, bound hand and foot in its winding sheet, is just a figure of the death in which we live so long as we mistake it for life. Where do we go from here? We do not. We come to an end. But this is the end of the night. Well, that was a lot of information. It was a lot of information about nothing. Yeah. And that's the beauty in it. He um, said the only thing that can be talked about in this sphere is the negative... Correct. Describing what the trap is. Correct.
and really just like the evolution of ego and realizing that ego is just trying to find a purpose mm-hmm. to exist mm-hmm. it's trying to find the reason why and once we stop asking why and not asking why in that area exists true consciousness yeah i don't even know that it's entirely possible to stop that but i think part of the no right part of the the idea is to recognize that that's going on and that's going to continue to go on but to be able to disassociate from that result-seeking mechanism. Yeah, and it's that's what the Tao and this is trying to teach mm-hmm. is not about the human. I'm trying to teach you how to exist on the plane that has existed since the dawn of time, mm-hmm. where humans have not. Yeah. But the way of nature. That doesn't question anything. It just exists. It just is there. It's an energy force with living organisms that move in a way that is just done. Not thought of. Not predetermined. Not questioned why. And when it is questioned why, catastrophic failure happens. Mm -hmm. Earthquakes. Volcano explosions. Atmospheric changes. When nature finally gains an ego and questions itself worlds collapse so humans were born with this innate ability of a brain Mm -hmm. and have this this concept of why am i doing this what is my purpose why am i here and we have neglected to see that our catastrophic failure is that in itself that question if i don't see that i have a purpose i don't if i just see that my purpose is just to exist to be here to be conscious to find a connection with god to live a very humble life harmonious harmonious and to be one with nature and do what my job as a human being on this planet is we don't have any of the problems that we as humans have there's no racism there's no segregation there's no us harming nature we probably wouldn't have as many people on the planet I may not even exist Mm -hmm. it may go down to just the first two people to ever exist it might have just stopped there if they didn't see that they had a purpose yeah you know, so it's like it is this kind of place, and he talks about it of am I right or am I wrong to question what my purpose is? And then by questioning, by even having the idea of not having a purpose, is having a purpose. Yeah, it's that seeking for an answer to that question. Correct. And it, you know, it's this is a, a very heady chapter yeah and it's a lot to take in and a lot to kind of break down and dissect because there's so many ways to go with it but it all leads back down to something that 
Alan Watts talks about quite regularly on a number of different times throughout his his career is the nothingness and how bringing your conscious to nothing is the most important thing that you're able to do and where all of these things stem from I will never see my own brain I will never see my own thoughts I will never see my own eyes I will never physically see a frontal view of myself mm-hmm. I need a reflection to be able to do any of this but to go what exists behind the eyes I will never see I can dissect somebody else's brain to get an understanding of a brain but that is not yeah. my brain make sure they agree to it first though well maybe maybe um but when he i mean he just he did a lecture about this <coughs> that i watched fairly recently um and it's and it, and it falls right in line with with this same thing it's a very heady conversation it's something that causes great debate but there's really no reason to debate um okay so i read this chapter yesterday uh-huh in preparation for today correct um and i had an experience of exactly what he's describing right i went into the chapter and you know i had this there wasn't even a specific result in mind at all really but i had this idea of like i'm gonna read this chapter and i'm gonna get it (laughs) you know and i'm gonna learn something i didn't know i'm gonna get some clarity on something that's not clear to me and like man it's not one of those chapters no, that you get that like all. a result out of and i was no. it was very bewildering and confusing to read that chapter yesterday and because it didn't really you know and I, I wasn't i wasn't all the way through it and it was just talking about result result yada 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 and the do nothing and okay i get there's these two things that it's not right but what is it and i really can't explain what happened but it clicked and i guess i can what he's describing has the same characteristics i mean it's what he's describing the doubt right yeah. and it's he said it multiple times it's like look this can't be defined this can't be said there's no English translation for it. Or, well, even if there was an English, yeah, it's it still like would be the very the ambiguous the utility that we as humans have developed that is language is still very flawed. Very much so. Right, because in my brain, I have this idea, these whatever it is, images, this this thing that I'm trying to communicate to you. Mm-hmm. And it goes through the filter of, okay, we have a limited number of words. And then you hear it. And I'm applying my turning this, you know, immaterial thing into some words. You hear it. And then you extract the meaning out of it. But 
the meaning you extract is like it's like telephone even just one conversation the meaning is very much skewed to what it is that you understand these specific words to mean and but you know yesterday it just kind of clicked and it was like oh this isn't a thing that i need to be searching for that result for that part was very that part was very illuminating for me absolutely and so just the evolutionary reasoning behind the ego searching for results food and food and shelter sure look for those results but all the other stuff it's like you're a little you know you're you're all good you don't need to worry about more results so i've read this a number of times okay and not only in this book but it's it's original platform uh where he originally talked about it as we know this is a, this book's a collection of a whole bunch of different writings was this reading. a lecture this was a lecture okay. and he talks on end about it and this is like just three hours yeah just a little clip nonsense yeah <laughs> like not and like, just to be frank like it is one of his most boring lectures that I've ever listened to yeah I didn't listen to the whole thing I was maybe like an hour and a, maybe halfway through maybe a little less than half but that same kind of conclusion I came to and it's something that the correlation that I have made is it really didn't make sense to me until I got into recovery and I started to understand that expectations lead to resentments. And that is based in my ego searching for a purpose. Mm-hmm. What is this person's purpose or what is my purpose in doing this action and what result is going to come? And when that result doesn't happen, I have an adverse reaction to it, which then causes me to either cut communication with this person. I mean, there's there's this long list of things that happen or even just get that slight little tinge in the back of my brain about said situation. Yeah, you're holding on to I'm it. I'm holding on to this thing all of a sudden unknowingly. And yeah. I know it at yeah, first. Yeah. You know, I, I know in that exact moment when it happened, but now it's happening in multiple areas of my life because of this one thing. Mm-hmm. And... Dropping the expectation is also, in my kind of own interpretation, is also dropping the ego's yearning to find a purpose, to find a reason to why, right? And when I started to implement that, it made me searching through, fearlessly searching through my my moral inventory so much easier. Yeah, because I saw in those moments where these resentments were created what my ego was doing and that's where I was immediately able to see my part yeah. in the matter yeah, yeah. and it's almost like I was able to transport myself back to that moment and relieve myself of that ego driven purpose mm-hmm. where that resentment then dropped I may still never deal with that person or that situation ever again in my life, but I can say that ripple effect is no longer going to exist. And that is from using the principles of the Tao. Yeah. And going back to a very nature-driven spot. 
you know, and it's, it's a very, it's unexplainable. And that's why, you know, like you don't read about the Tao to become a Taoist. You just are, Mm -hmm. you are when you say you are essentially. And it's, it's the life that you live and it's those questions and, and that yearning for a connection to absolutely everything around that that makes you a Taoist along with obviously there's there's practice that comes involved and there's readings and writings and you know you find you find someone who's who's willing to sit with you and, and teach you the way of the Tao because it is something that has to kind of be ignited but it's in stuff like what we're doing right now mm-hmm. just disseminating the knowledge and getting the just sparking the interest even if it's of one person there could be however many thousands of people or tens of people or one person where if that one person out of anybody who ever listens to this has the interest of okay I want to stop thinking of having to have some type of answer to every little thing that I do, whether it's doing something or doing nothing. It's that's the purpose of the Tao. Yeah. You know, I think the, this chapter kind of boiled down and obviously the fact that the chapter is, bigger than one sentence means that he addresses this from multiple perspectives uh, you know and like a roundabout way yeah but it's just kind of trying to illustrate that the Tao and you know the way of nature and then Wu Wei the action in accord with the Tao is unknowable There's no way that I can express to you no. how to ha- be in harmony with this stuff. It's very much an experiential, like what I was talking about Absolutely. yesterday. Like, what's going on here? Like, I'm not seeing a result in reading this chapter, so what's up? But then getting to that point of, like, kind of exhaling that ego, and I get it now. Yeah. And now that, you know, I got it in that one moment yesterday, woke up this morning, I was like, okay, where's my result? What's up? Let's get some results today, sort of thing. It's, you know, but in that moment yesterday, I got it. Yeah. And And that's how it's always going to be. Yeah. It's going to be an ever-changing thing because this is something that, it's a lifelong lesson. Mm -hmm. There's no immediate... It's not here's, a, here's a, a question that's posed, and here's the answer to yeah. this question. That is never going to be this. Yeah, it's not a the flip of a switch. It's nor a, is life. Yeah, and that's the tie back to everything. And when I on a handful of times where I've read this or listened to pieces of this original lecture or seeing it transcribed because I've seen it in a, in a handful of different places. There's days where I have that same type of experience. It's like, okay, like something has clicked within me within this. And then there's other days I'm like, Alan Watts must have been shit faced. Because <laughs> you know his, 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 him tra- trying to transcribe this, it's just not working. Yeah. Nonsense. Like, nonsense. Said. I mean, he's a raging fucking alcoholic. Like, this yeah. is where my 
analytical brain drives it mm-hmm. is that I then found a reason to make yeah. it flawed. The result is to that... give me that same feeling that I have received at previous points and later points where it's like, okay, something clicked and I don't need to know what that something is. I can't put my finger on it, but I, f- I have a, a feeling from this as opposed to not having that feeling. I'm like, all right, he's a fucking drunk. He must have, this must've been at the end where everyone was worried that he was just going to die of alcoholism. His organs were shutting down, mm-hmm. you know, like, but then after those times and, the, and it's happened on a number of things from Alan Watts where it's like, I've listened to it one time or I've read it one time and it hits right where I needed to hit. And other times I'm like, this dude's just a fucking drunk who doesn't know anything that he's talking about. But what it comes down to is after that, then I find that correlation to myself. That somebody can listen to me one day and say, I really understand what this guy's talking about. And then they can listen to me another day and they're going to be like, I have no idea and I have no reality because <laughs> this dude's definitely a dope fiend. Yeah. You know, he's on a sick one. He's just going off on a tangent. Or even if, like, since you've been clean. Since yeah, I've been clean. Sometimes you just uh, I go on talk all the time. And it's like, wait, okay, wait, rain this shit in. What am I talking about? And even at, what are you talking about? Even at that point, like even to have with that being said, like as clean, like I can still go off and I don't see it. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense up here, but it may just kind of like as you were talking about, what's being put out there may make sense to me because it's my words. Yeah, my brain is mm-hmm. constructing them, so it's constructing them in that way for a very exact reason that may not be picked up by ninety nine percent of the people. Yeah which is okay. Yeah. But it allows what in this matter and when what we've just read what that allows to create is someone to see and question did that make sense or did this not make sense and either sit there and get angry about it or find some way to resent me for what I have said or leave it alone and let the lesson be that just exit let this guy exist. Yeah. And that happens all the time. So there's sort of a a note that I had ties back to something we talked about last week. Okay. Um, you basically illustrated the middle way as, you know, how it how it kind of practically is involved in your life is when you're trying to make a decision, there is like what you want to do, then there is what the world wants you to do, and the middle way is what god wants you to do correct and that's kind of he kind of illustrated those three options in explaining what exactly he's trying to mean or let me put it more accurately what he doesn't mean when he talks about the doing nothing right and so he has this uh the guy who just fits into the 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 laws and the principles and the traditions of a society and kind of does all right the world says they want me to do this sort of you know yeah lost in a way without a whole lot of self that is involved in their life they're just like okay they said do this the other one is like oh you want me to do nothing okay i'll do nothing but then there's this place of like going through life like 
as an active force, but not trying to apply those. This is a result. This is like, oh, I know what the right answer is. When you say do nothing, you mean sit on the couch. It's like, wait, okay. No. No. You don't know what you're talking about. Let's, like, try and find... In every situation, every single day, is like, there's a new set of challenges. There's a new set of, like, what is my internal monologue? What is my mood? Whatever that we get to navigate and be yeah. like, okay, let's try and be graceful with this. I'm not going to know the right answer in most of these situations. And somehow, if I do know the right answer, it's because somewhere along the way, I was in a similar situation and I did the wrong answer enough yeah. times so I'm like, okay, wait a second. Let me try this one. Yeah. And it works out. I think that's kind of been my experience with any relationship. Absolutely. Has been like, oh man, I've I've hurt people's feelings. I've screwed up. I've uh, I tend to take too much of other people's moods onto myself, you know? And being able to find a way of like practicing spiritual principles, being in the middle way, right? Doing that nothing. I'm not trying to superimpose my results onto this situation. And like, yeah, that's a learning process. Absolutely. I mean, this is all a learning process. Sometimes we got to do stuff, sometimes we got to do nothing. And yeah, it's, it comes down to, not acting in self-will. And yeah. I found in my experience that conforming with societal laws and then going the complete opposite direction of doing everything in my own way and, and driven by self and ego, those two ways don't work for me. But when yeah, I go past those and I seek guidance from God, it just allows me to make those sound decisions and be okay with whatever the result is going to be. And a lot of the time, I don't even see what the result is as the result is happening. It's at a point of reflection yeah, yeah, yeah. that I see that me letting go and letting God in this situation resulted in this that was amazing for myself. And has led me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. But it that's reflecting at a point in my life where I wasn't sure which path I wanted to take. And both directions to me looked so skewed. But all of a sudden I found this really small, dimly lit path that was like encouraging me to go down it. Mm -hmm. And it was so quiet and so small and it, at the time so insignificant, but became one of the pillars of my current life. Yeah. You know, and that's to me, like the one of the best explanations of the Tao that can be given. It's those moments where you've let go completely. You're yeah. going, you just go with the energetic flow of something. You, you have this innate feeling to survive. So you know that you're going to survive through this situation. That all is going to be okay if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and not thinking about one foot, two foot, one foot, two foot, one foot, two foot, going back and forth. And 
letting go and just existing in that moment and letting it become what you thought was going to be this huge thing becomes nothing Mm -hmm. and becomes so insignificant at that moment but then turns at a later point when you reflect back in journaling or meditation or just in a conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody whatever the case may be all of a sudden you see that that moment where you were in this internal debate with yourself that it turned out to be that that really what you felt in that moment this really insignificant action catapulted you to levels that you never thought were possible yeah walking into the rooms in those in that in that day that I walked back into the room it wasn't like I knew this was going to be it that day was something that like I didn't want to be alive yeah yeah and any way shape or form but I had I let go mm-hmm and everything I did throughout that day and the days since have been a little bit less of ego and a little bit more of God. And it has allowed me to be in the position that I am today. Yeah. So this result-seeking mechanism, it also seeks, I mean, it's somewhat implied, but it seeks to control these results, right? It's like, okay, that's the result now I need to generate this anxiety. We're gonna go after this thing, I'm and try to this change that result, and yeah. or ensure that this exact ensure result this result yeah. happens. And this is my math. yeah. <laughs> my experience has been like subduing that part, hmm. subduing the ego, right? The seeking of results, and then kind of letting the results happen right and it's like okay i subdue that part and i'm not so busy in my head trying to make sure this one specific thing that i think should happen mm-hmm. which what the fuck do i know <laughs> right i subdue that part and i open myself up to kind of receive signs yeah. signals guidance however you want to view it and i go from this really lost fearful place of like i need to make this thing happen and if this thing doesn't happen you know resentment hurt whatnot but i subdue that part open myself up to guidance and then the direction of my life goes all these interesting wonderful like surprising beautiful ways that i was too afraid to envision were possible because I was so focused on this has to go my way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? Again, I don't know. I don't know what's best for me, you know? And so I subdue that part that thinks I know what's best for me, that thinks I know what the results have to be. And I do this, you know, a lot of ways I just through like daily meditation mm. of getting to that place of centeredness and peace and like the volume of my own voice inside my head is turned down a lot and then my eyes are open my ears are open what's going on here what do you want from me yeah where am i supposed to be yeah i mean this this is just something that uh we can go on forever about or never talk about again in either way 
the right things happening. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the beauty of, of all of this is this either becomes something that you focus so in-depthly on or it becomes something that you don't focus at all on. But either way, you're achieving the result. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, Alan Watts can be really reassuring. Absolutely. And one way he does this is obviously by, you know, describing these spiritual ideas in a, in a way that taking specifically Eastern ideals and translating it for Westerners. Yeah. And, and also just, he has a very unique way of putting some things simply absolutely and and the other another aspect of the reassuring feeling that i get from alan watts is like he describes the human condition and the human predicaments and all these exact you know bewildering parts that we experience as being a human and you know he says like this is a Obviously, anyone who realizes the enormity and absurdity of this predicament wants to get out of it. It's like, oh, he gets me. He gets the circus in my brain. Absolutely. And it's like, okay, I can survive that. There's a a way to get out of that. Absolutely. And I mean, Alan Watts, is he, he knows exactly how to get through to his audience. And he will always know that. For, for time immemorial it's like this this man just knew how to take some very detailed complex ideas and translate it into a way that just made mm-hmm. sense and you feel it because that's how he had to have it make sense for him yeah or maybe it doesn't make sense a lot of it comes from and i mean i've of course, Alan Watts touched a lot of people and, mm-hmm. you know, opened the minds of so many people over the years, decades, you know, but where it, I found my relation is when I found that he's one of us, that this man was battling his own issues yeah. in his way, but was too intelligent in a way that and at that time, the big book just was too much like a Bible. And mm. He spent all of his days transcribing spiritual texts where this book didn't touch anything that he was talking about. Yeah. And he and already he had experience really, with Christianity. Absolutely. It didn't work out. Correct. So it was just like, I can level with that. I can get behind that wholeheartedly on wanting to seek a solution to an ongoing problem that I'm not willing to address yet. Mm -hmm. And him being able to still do all of this is what allowed me to, in my dark moments where I was still reading this literature and, and listening to Alan Watts himself and, you know, taking this journey that I was on while actively harming myself let me know that it was purely ego. That what I was doing to myself was purely ego. And it's from lessons like this. Yeah. That that made sense because he's like, hey, if you're even here, like, 
you're here for a purpose, so stop questioning it. Like, if you're reading this, if you're listening to this, if you have any interest in this at all, just have the interest. Don't seek the results. Just be part of wherever you're at right here, right now. And, I mean, it just comes down to what this is all about is just becoming who you are. Yeah. All of this stems directly from that guidance and and seeking of who am I? Yeah. You know, and Alan Watts does an amazing job at helping others find out who they are because that's what he was trying Mm -hmm. to find. And I think the to tie this to addiction is like that result seeking ego is really perfectly illustrated with addiction. (laughs) Every addict out there, current and former. Yeah. And it's like that was seeking for a, the state of being how he kind of, um, delineates between, you know, seeking for, you know, result outside of yourself, but then, the ego seeking for a state of itself which is that that addiction seeking for whatever high but then also seeking for stuff outside of ourselves is we get into the cycle and we go great lengths to pick up we go great lengths to preserve the habits that we've got developed and i think that this kind of gives us an opportunity to talk about the name of this podcast real quick. You are what you read Absolutely. is, is that's obviously a reference. You are what you eat. Mm-hmm. And when you're feeding yourself and you're consuming drugs during active addiction, you're perpetuating that cycle of seeking those results. You're very much feeding the ego, feeding it more power and whatnot. And the whole idea of this podcast and the title of this podcast is to obviously read ourselves, feed ourselves, but also share with the world and whoever's interested some of these ideas and our thoughts about them that are really positive and have the potential to be healing, right? Recovery oriented stuff. And today in this world is there's so much that we have access to, to eat, quote unquote, to read, to consume, however you want to see it, that can be like really damaging and feeding that ego, feeding that result seeking mechanism. And the idea of what we have is like, okay, let's get some, something a little more healthy in this diet of consuming information or in the information age. Absolutely. And I mean, it's just what it comes down to is I'm a very avid reader and I've the same kind of to keep with that, like a reference towards you are what you eat. Like I can eat as healthy as I want to be as, as healthy as I want. But if I'm still implementing garbage into my system, everything that I'm doing health-wise eating healthy is eliminated yeah so as i was out there in the streets using iv narcotics 
it didn't matter what I was reading. It didn't matter what I was eating. I was still injecting myself yeah. with this nonsense that That's was tearing not me gonna apart. Fix you. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but here, my ego convinced me mm-hmm. that this was preserving me just a little bit longer. Yeah. But it was all just preserving me long enough to my next high. Yeah. Now, I read with the same intention of using this to expand myself. Yeah. Expand the community around me expand the world to create unity to create a a complete chain of understanding that is fighting against the system of the twitter the facebook the instagram the youtube wherever you're listening to this these same places that is plugging with constant politics constant negativity mm-hmm. constant pain and utter nonsense that has been created, especially over the last like six years. Yeah. These last six years have just been so gnarly in the, in this state of information and what's transcribed and what's happened that if we can take this in my hopes is that you pick up a book that isn't about Donald Trump or isn't about politics or isn't about how to change the world Mm. but how to change yourself Mm -hmm. and how to become closer to your higher power understand yourself understand yourself at a deeper more intimate level because then you will start to understand that if i don't have the same political beliefs as you that's okay we can still exist at one Mm -hmm. if we don't have the same religious views that's okay because i'm okay with myself i'm strong within me and if you guys go out there and you pick up this book and you start to read and you start to gain that the purpose of this podcast has been completed yeah it is doing its job listening to an episode of this podcast reading a chapter from this book and as we continue we'll get on the different books right this is like what i was i touched on it very briefly last week is like the butterfly effect within an individual's own universe right this is going to create some of this positive change and allow for a more peaceful existence a more serene existence and all this you know he talks about the balled up enormity of our situation. It's like, man, is that you want to feed into that or you mm. want to feed into being in accord with the Tao? And that's you are what you eat. You are what you read. Correct. Well, with that, I want you guys to keep following. Um, yeah. Appreciate the support. And you're at, we're out on all major podcast streaming platforms, YouTube. Um, we'll start to gain a little bit of a social media presence here soon and uh, write your comments, read along like, follow, subscribe tell a friend You know, help grow this so we can help others just like we're trying to help you yeah and the, the whole before we get into reading the book if we start to get participation we've reserved that time to answer questions Take no. your guys' point of view. Yeah. Tell me what you got out yeah. of it. If you can explain this chapter better, please do. Yeah. You know, um, participate. This is this is growing a community yeah. of participation is what we're shooting out here for. Yeah. So thank you guys. 
See you soon.